the truth is, you know, lest somebody say, oh, you're forcing all these guys to preach and who are you? Only God, you know, does that. That's true. It's true. But there are a lot of needs when it comes to teaching. We need we need people to teach Bible class. Yeah. We need dads mm-hmm. who are willing to do devotionals for Sunday nights when youth group comes over. You know, we need we need people, women, men, all we need people who can share in a public way. One of the speakers uh, that we took the boys to um, at Proclaim made a really good point that I hadn't thought. And he told them, regardless of what you do, if you have the ability to stand up in front of a group and say something, you're going to be blessed because of that. Something happened in in the midst of this culture. What you're describing, your experience is all of a sudden now Thank you all so much for joining us today on Faith in the Folds. It is a treat to have two of my favorite ministers from the College Side Church of Christ in Cookville, Tennessee. I won't say who the other favorites are. I only know one other one, so there's that. But, uh, Sug, sorry, man, you didn't make it this time. But good to have both of you guys here with us. John Nichols and Matt Collins joining us from Cookville, Tennessee. John, welcome back to the podcast. How have you been, sir? Doing very well. Thanks for having me back. Um, I really enjoyed our last time and looking forward to this discussion uh, today as well. Yeah, yeah. Matt, you and I met originally at a, at a Smokies game, right? That's true. Tennessee Smokies game in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's, Tennessee that's Smokies, correct. yeah. That's um, right. And we, uh, we, both happened, we both happened to have a uh, – having a, a, a familiar acquaintance right um aka my brother your brother who's yeah. a deacon at a church across town there we won't mention him because he he can, he can get a big head sometimes you know no sure. no need no need, no need for it. right don't yeah. need to uh, don't need yeah. to feed the beast there but anyway yeah. guys welcome to the podcast glad <clears throat> to have y'all here i had the feeling that uh, even though we're starting out somewhat formal by the end of it we're all going to be in stitches and that's going to be great because you know that kind of stuff really, really plays well. Yeah. But before we get into what I wanted to talk about today, let's have some introductions. Uh, John and Matt, can y'all tell us kind of how long have you been in ministry? Maybe uh, give us the 10 peso version of how you got to where you are today and uh, help us get to know you before we uh, dig into what we're going to talk about today. You want me to start, Matt? Go ahead. I have been in... Um, full-time ministry for, I guess, about 17 or 18 years, um, started really young and and really knew all my life that it is um, it's what I wanted to do. And even maybe down a layer from that, I always kind of knew that I wanted to preach and teach. And so uh, in God's good grace, I have been in Cookville for all of those years in full-time ministry. I did serve a, a place before I moved here in a part-time capacity when I was in school and um, met my wife here. Uh, We were married and I've been at a couple of different places here in Cookville. And um, because I always knew I wanted to preach, there was kind of a progression in terms of how 
those opportunities and and um, and challenges. So I've been at the College Side Church for over four years now, not quite five, as the teaching minister. Mm-hmm. It has been um, just an incredible, challenging, beautiful, difficult opportunity. And I love it. I love it. Wouldn't do anything else. And really and truly, I mean, unless the Lord just made it known, I, I don't want to do it anywhere else. And so these are my people, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to preach every week um, what the Lord puts on my heart. Yeah. You mentioned specifically your title is Teaching Minister. Does that kind of give us a clue of sort of how either you see your role or how your elders see your role? Really both. Um, it uh, initially was was their choice. Um that's what they came up with when when I was approached about this opportunity and really what that means. Um, by and large, it means what the preaching and teaching ministry in most churches means. Yeah. Uh, but the added um, responsibility is some formation in our Bible class uh, program. Yeah. Um, and so different educational opportunities. And so I oversee the curriculum on our adult level. And, um, and that's a challenge. It's, it's different than preaching and teaching, but, uh, but they really wanted me to focus on preaching and teaching, but also they, they wanted to focus on more of the pastoral responsibility. They they wanted it to be known that um, that was their responsibility, not mine, which is why they chose the title. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Preacher tends to have a certain connotation where, Yes, you preach, right, on Sunday mornings, uh, and in certain churches, right, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, you know, nursing homes on Sunday afternoons, stuff like that. But then uh, also the expectation that, well, you're going to be the first call, right, sure. for any kind of pastoral visitation. Um, that's uh, that's challenging, when, especially when you have a congregation the size of college sides. Yeah, right. sure. uh, challenging to be able to give everybody, you know, sufficient time and, and care, so – well, cool. I um, I was curious, you know, with the with a title like teaching minister, it, it one could maybe not understand. It's like, so do you preach, or you know, like I, I'll get I'll get questions too, like, hey, what you're the discipleship minister? Well, what does that mean? It's like, well, okay, it's, imagine an associate minister, right? But with a more biblical title, and that's right, that's right, amen. <laughs> and there you go, yeah. So, Matt. Tell us about you, sir. How um, how did you come to have such a glorious beard and mm. uh, and work alongside characters like John and others? Well, uh, I'll give my father all the credit for my beard, but none of the credit for my current employment. Um, <laughs> so he's a uh, yeah. I've been in <clears throat> I've been in youth ministry for uh, eleven years, and um, started out in Nashville. And uh, worked there. Got a got a cold call from a guy named John Nichols um about eight years ago probably actually a little bit over eight years ago now and uh had never met him didn't know him and uh he uh was inquiring about um an opportunity that um could be uh, in front of me in cookville and so uh, my wife and i talked and we met with them and john and i became uh friends really over the phone um we talked on the phone a lot for a couple of months and um wound up moving to cookville and uh, have been here ever since and um, have been with John. Um, we worked at a, at a different congregation together for a couple of years and um, 
I've been at college I've had for just about three uh, after, after at the end of this year will be my third completed my third year here. And we had an opportunity to come to college shot. And, and honestly, um, you know, I, I joke around with John a lot, but one of the, one of the biggest reasons that uh, we came is because we wanted John to be uh, our preacher and we wanted him to be the preacher of our girls. And so um, we, uh, we made the decision to come across town um, to be here with college shot. And it was, um, has proven to be um, the absolute right decision for us and for our family. So, so we, yeah, we've been in, I've been in youth ministry for, for uh, about 11 years now and um, you know, kicking and screaming still here. So <laughs> here's, who knows what'll happen next. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear about a lot of that kicking and screaming too, from our, yeah. um, from the, he who shall not be named. <clears throat> right. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. So uh, also known as Voldemort, but we never call him. <laughs> so that, would, that would feel weird to, uh, to right. start now. Um, guys, before we even get into what we're going to talk about, uh, I'm interested, John, in what you had said earlier, that you had just always kind of known that you wanted to be a preacher, that you wanted to do congregational ministry. It strikes me so fascinating because were you to ask me, even, even seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. you know, let alone you know, 10 or 12 or 15 years ago, um, you know, hey, do you want to be a congregational minister? I would have said no. And so let, let me just ask uh, John, but also Matt, you as well. Um, how did you guys know? Like what did people affirm that in you? Did <clears throat> did you just always have a sense like this is where I need to go? This is what I need to do? Like how did y'all come to that conclusion? And how did other people or did other people say, hey, this is something you should really think about? I feel like the Lord is kind of pushing you in this direction. I, I get asked that question quite a bit. Um, and at first it the question was surprising to just be honest, because I assumed that it worked this way for everybody. Uh, but what I found out is that in fact, I am kind of in the minority uh, in terms of knowing. Um, mm. I, I don't want to suggest that there was never a time when I thought about doing something else because there certainly has been, those times uh, where, where other, other options were on the table. However, I've always known, and, and really there's, there's three, probably three reasons. That sounds like a preacher, doesn't it? Uh, there's, there's three. Do reasons. they all start with the same letter? <laughs> they do. They <laughs> they do. do. Yeah. Uh, I, think alliter- I think alliteration is, is uh, anti-biblical. Uh, <laughs> now there really and are, here- there's about three reasons. Um, that, that led me to know uh, one was, was I was always drawn to the biblical text. I enjoyed Bible class and study. And I just always, I just enjoyed it that I didn't have to be pushed. I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't kicking and screaming. And uh, so I always, I always just really enjoyed that. That, that sounds noble. I, I'm not trying to sound noble. Uh, Such a saint. Yeah. <laughs> but I but I did enjoy it. Um, the other thing was that, well the 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 second and third thing are really really the the reasons uh, mostly and they're tied together. I had a natural knack for public speaking, not a public uh, not a perfect public speaker, but enjoyed public speaking um, in many other ways. I always have. And the church that I grew up in really leveraged that 
mm-hmm. for ministry. And so I had people around me that said, you enjoy doing this. There's something there, you know, that can be refined if you say yes to the Lord, to what we feel like the Lord's given you, then you, you could do ministry. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, uh, I did. And that looked a lot of different ways, <clears throat> like, you know, sweet old ladies in Bible study saying, Hey, John, read this scripture for the, read the story for today. It was preachers who said, let's write sermons together. Let me show you how we, how we, it was professors at Lipscomb at other places at Fried Hardeman on the graduate level, uh, who, who just shared with me and it was mentors even still today to this day, uh, mentors who say, Hey, John, keep going, keep going. So God has used his people to push me in that direction and keep me on that path. And frankly, and we're going to get into this in a little while, I think over the last couple of years, it's not been people pushing me. It's been people keeping me in ministry Hmm. Uh, keeping me on that path that God has used to to refine that vision for ministry in my own heart. So those are the three things. And I just, yeah. I know this is what God wants me to do, at least for this season of my life. Yeah. Matt, when you, like, when did you realize that you had reached the apex of your maturation at the high school level and decided that that was where you were going to minister. Is, is that how? That, yeah, that, that's what happened. Um, <laughs> so I'm, this, I'm, this, I'm the same guy I was then. And uh, so I figured <laughs> if I'm going to top out at 16, I might as well talk to 16 year olds the rest of my life. That's fair. Um, yeah. <clears throat> no, I, um, I actually um, started out when I, if you would ask me uh, growing up, I, I would have told you I wanted to be a sports writer. I, I love sports. Um, I can't play them, so I like to watch them, and uh, and I, I like to write. And so I actually, as a high school student, I wrote for our school newspaper. I wrote for um, the Mount Juliet Chronicle, which is a little city newspaper Ooh, yeah. we had. Um, it cost you nothing to get one of those deals, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote for, you know, like I wrote about sports, high school sports, you know, for our high school and stuff like that. So um, that was interesting to me. I would have told you, you know, then I was going to go to college and go to journalism school and become a, become a writer for, you know, ESPN or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really um, a lot of things began to change for me when I was told by my minister, um, hey, you, you've, you've got a gift and uh, and use that gift and so um i was really pushed towards it um, by people or encouraged in it um by people who cared about me and loved me and saw something in me that frankly i uh, didn't or wouldn't have seen in myself um i was provided with opportunities um and uh i was encouraged to take advantage of them and so i did um and so that was part of it. And then the other part of it was my best friends um, all wanted to go to the same Christian college. And so um, at that point, I said, I'll, like, let's all go. So we all went together and we were roommates together. And and so it was a lot of it was um, people, uh, ministers um, at my home church that pushed me towards it and said, hey, you can do this. You've got a gift for this. And let's provide you opportunities to use that gift. And um, we think you can do something with it. And so um, that was it. And what, what led me to youth ministry was um, I, I've never, I had never had a desire to preach. Um, 
you know, John always knew that, um, that wasn't, that wasn't my story, not my story. Um, I, I had a great experience in our youth group growing up and we had a, a fairly large youth ministry where I grew up and, um, I, I really enjoyed being part of it. My best friends were all in it. They were at school together and church together. And that was kind of my, my people. And, um, and really it was, I wanted to, if I could create, uh, an environment for, for students that was similar to what I had growing up, that was kind of what I wanted to do. And so, um, that's what, that's what led me, uh, towards youth ministry. And, um, and that's where I've been this whole time. Yeah. <clears throat> In some ways I'm, I'm envious of the uh, of the certainty that at least now looking back, maybe tw- hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, at least yeah. some of the certainty it seems that you both had. Um, and John, might especially since you once you realize, you know, maybe maybe not sports writing, right? Maybe maybe yeah. youth ministry. Um, my initial expectation as a junior in high school was to was to go to Lipscomb University with my uh, best friend at the time from church. We were both going to be youth ministry majors because, you know, Matt, like you said, I had a good experience in my youth group and and really enjoyed it. And it was it was fun and, and spiritually f- uh, transformational and and all that. And um, and then eventually it just it just didn't sit right with me after a lot of prayer. Harding made made the most sense. I had the most peace about it, uh, but decided I was going to teach high school history and social studies. Well, I had A level aspirations and C level work ethics. So you can <laughs> kind of calculate yeah. my undergraduate GPA there, right? I had 4.0 expectations and 2.0 work ethic. And yeah. um, <clears throat> eventually realized that what I wanted to do was t- some kind of teaching, right? So <clears throat> I, I, I'm somewhat envious of guys who seem like they had a, sh- a straighter path to where they are. But looking back on it now, I kind of know that in, or I can tell at least in God's grace, I needed that time to figure it out. Um, and now that I have young kids, I realize that that's what good parents do. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to let their kids have time to figure it out. Um, yeah. I won't throw my six-year-old under the bus, but last night was rough and he just needed time <laughs> to figure out what he needed to do to get ready for yeah. bed. <laughs> so um, been been there yeah yep yep so guys ministry feels a little different these days on this side of the pandemic not that covid doesn't still get people from time to time but it ministry feels a little different and a lot of ministers i talk with um ministers of all kinds um and even ministers that i hear from who are in fellowships outside of churches of christ they kind of say the same things too. The ministry just feels different. Have y'all noticed that? And let me ask, why do you think that is? What's going on? Is ministry harder these days than it was three years ago? What What do y'all think? I don't know that it that I would say it's harder. Um, I think that might suggest that it was easier before the pandemic. That's fair. Um, certainly it's different. I think it's harder in many ways. And I think maybe in a way or two, it's actually easier. Now I I can only speak anecdotally from our own experience. Uh, and I think it's worth noting that our experience, um, is different 
than a lot of other churches, uh, the experience of a lot of other churches. And, and really in one major way, uh, College Side is a very, very young church. And so we, fortunately, we did not have to have the same level of concern through the pandemic because we don't have just a tremendous number of older folks. And so that changes things and it should, uh, you know, some considerations, you know, have to be made in those ways. And so that kind of, I think we were, <clears throat> were fortunate in that way. Um, so that, that certainly shaped our experience. I, I say all that to say, we came back really early. You know, we, we were off for a couple of, um, a couple of weeks there at the very beginning we came back very early. And so through the whole pandemic, kind of our posture has been, we want to do as much as we can. Sure. Uh, so I think that's, that's worth noting. I, you know, I think the way that it's harder, at least from my vantage point has been not just the growth, but almost the pull to isolationism. Um, because initially it was necessary. We didn't know what we were dealing with. And, mm -hmm. and, and even once we came back to a formal assembly, there was no ministry to speak of. Sure. Uh, it was, we, we, you know, we really lagged with Bible classes, formally ministry opportunities, small groups. We had <clears throat> big, but, but we didn't do a lot of the smaller things. And so isolation was pushed uh, and, and rightfully so. And I think that to a great extent that that took hold in the hearts of a lot of people. Um, I think it gave, it gave rise to, um, to a lot of people, the feeling of permission to some of those more, what I would say are negative impulses, even that existed before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. There are, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm forced extrovert, but I'm introverted dispositionally on my own. And I'll be honest, staying at home, I loved it. I did. I loved it, mm -hmm. but it's not good for me. It's not good for anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think a lot of people were given permission to be closed. And um, I, I think pushing through that has been a difficulty, even still, e even this long after the initial uh, wave came, there are still so many people, they may be with us on Sunday, but they're closed um, to church involvement, to church family, they're closed to participation. And God calls introverts to participate. He, he calls he calls all of us to be a part of the family that looks different certainly <clears throat> so I think pushing through permission that people felt has been the, the most difficult thing for me and and I'll let Matt talk but I do have one other difficulty just from a preacher's perspective yeah. that I'll share with you yeah man what about you how about in the world of youth ministry yeah honestly for me um and for it's hard for me to answer that question really well um, because we, I started at college side January the 1st of 2020. <laughs> I forgot about um, that. <laughs> so that yeah. was my first day in the office was January 2nd. 
Um, and so, you know, we, I never really got off the ground here, um, before, before everything, um, you know, shut down. And so for me, all that I've known at this church, um, is the past three years. I don't have any experience prior to 2020 at college side to know what youth ministry looked like here before. Um, and so I, And it's not I don't know that it's fair for me to compare my youth ministry at a different congregation, um, you know, to this one because they're different places. And Mm so for me, it's hard to say um, specifically about about college side, um, how it's harder or easier or or whatever, because my experience is, you know, for for us, we had a couple of months and then that was it. and then everything, you know, everything happened um, that happened. And so um, as far as, uh, you know, holistically, maybe a couple of things, my experience at Koshad has been, it doesn't feel that different. Um, okay. Yeah. When, when we, you know, we had to make some modifications, certainly um, in, at the beginning of things, you know, we, uh, we met, you know, um, outside and we, we did, you know, Bible study outside every week, you know, from basically June to October of 2020. Um, but really once, um, once we got back, like we, we came back, um, and, and for the most part, our families, um, uh, the overwhelming majority of our families were, they were ready to roll. Um, and so we didn't face a lot of, um, pushback or or anything with with the pandemic um as far as being together um we tried to to create appropriate spaces to be together when that when it was necessary um but once we were back and it was to me it it really kind of felt like this is what it's youth ministry has always been right and so um we were we were you know in bible study together and we were you know having events together and um, spending time together. And we, we really didn't miss a whole lot of togetherness. Now, some of that togetherness was, was shaped in different ways. Sure. Um, but, um, we, we didn't miss a whole lot of it. We did, um, we, we really, you know, my experience at college shot as a youth minister has been, um, shaped by COVID in some ways, certainly, but in a lot of ways it, it has just felt like youth ministry, Yeah. frankly. Um, and, uh, and so, that's, you know, in my opinion, I guess that's, that's been a good thing. We've not had to deal with a lot of, um, you know, poor situations or, or things, um, you know, so we've been, we've been lucky in that, in that regard. Yeah. You and I are similar in respects of landing at churches right around the time of the, when the pandemic starting. Um, yeah. So you said January, 2020 was when you landed at college side we moved from central kentucky down to corpus christi in uh in august of 2020 and i had actually come down here in i think june to kind of check everything out and um it was wild starting starting a new job like moving moving across country and starting a new job at a new church in uh it's still when we were having to be cautious about you know what's you know like who like or we got to make sure that we fog everything after after it gets mm-hmm. used and wipe everything down and and all that stuff i feel like 
this was my perception and I, I wasn't here at the time, but it was my perception that in Corpus Christi, um, the, the wave of COVID hit a little later. Corpus Christi is really kind of out of the way. I mean, we're three hours away from Mexico. We're really far south and the interstate doesn't even extend all the way from Houston to Corpus Christi. <laughs> so like, it's kind of like Texas forgets we're here. And, you know, the, it seemed like it took a while for some of the, uh, from some of the harder hits of COVID to get down to us. And we were moving right in the middle of that. And I was also asked to do some things by our elders that my predecessor, that it was largely not his responsibility to do. And so, I'll, you know, what what my work looked like here had not totally been done before. I, there was some obvious overlap with adult education, but, you know, other things like that. It, for me, it was kind of like, OK, I don't have a here's how we always done it to model to go by. Um John, you said that you had something else that you you wanted to mention. Uh, you know, it now feels like a good time to bring that up. Yeah, just all the video stuff. Um, you know, it. it uh, yeah. I think preachers probably felt that most um, succinctly. Uh, yeah. And um, I, I had never spent a lot of time in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a learning curve, frankly, that, that, that we had to, you know, learn really quickly. Yeah. So th that's one. Um, the other thing that is of a more personal nature that I'm sure you guys can relate to and maybe some of your listeners can relate to is at some point, I can't tell you exactly when, I had to stop giving myself permission to not do my job. Yeah. Now, uh, certainly it's different. And so what I mean by that is you can't go to the hospital. But that doesn't get you off the hook from taking care of your people pastorally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, just because you can't make a home visit doesn't mean that you can't reach out. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I had found myself in this place for a lot of reasons, probably because the world was crazy. Right. Um, I, I had found myself giving I was giving myself permission to just preach in front of a camera mm -hmm. and not do anything else. And, and I, I, the Lord had to wake me up out of that really quickly. Um, and, and it was him. I, I certainly didn't wake myself up. Um, and even still, you know, expectations have changed. Um, it feels weird to go in the hospital, even now. Um, the expectations have changed from the administration at the hospital. The expectations have changed from ministers, but also the expectations of people have changed. And so I guess this ties what to what I was saying before. Um, there are a lot of people who don't want to be visited. Mm. And, and and we're coming from a time, at least in a town like we live in, which is still kind of southern charm, you know. Coco's uh, not a small city, right? But it feels, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but it kind of feels like yes. a, a tighter community. It, it yeah. feels yeah. maybe culturally more rural than yes. certainly... Mm -hmm. Yeah, what you is. find in in Nashville, right? Yeah, or even mm -hmm. then, even that it currently is. I mean, we really have grown from rural to more, you know, suburban. Mm -hmm. um, even since I've been here in you know seventeen mm -hmm. years, but um, the expectation <clears throat> when you somebody passes or when you're sick, 
people are going to come to your house and they're going to bring food and they're going to do all of these things to show you that they, they love you. Mm-hmm. What I learned was there are a lot of people who don't want that, but there are people who do. Yeah. And so uh, COVID was, was uh, certainly um, an element that brought more complexity to that, you know, the evaluation in my mind for how, how, how do we do this? So um, just practically it, it was, a, it, there were a lot of difficulties that and challenges that arose. And even we still feel the effects of um, again, very fortunate and, and feel like God has led us every step of the way, but it's certainly been difficult. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned, especially the technology aspect. Um, it, I've said this before that, you know, it seemingly overnight preachers had to become TV producers. Absolutely. I suddenly had to realize or figure out how do I use this free movie editing software I have on my computer, right? Right. <laughs> what maybe this microphone on my headphones is actually useful for something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Besides just phone calls. Yeah. Sure. Well, guys, um, I I like getting the uh, kind of the insight into maybe how some things were different at college side uh, than elsewhere. I know, John, you specifically mentioned college side is a young church um, in terms of demographics, right? Not in terms, not necessarily in terms of age of the congregation, like how long the congregation has been there. But um, you'll have, uh, you're called college side because you're right across the street from Tennessee Tech. And That's so, right. you know, those differences made a difference in how you addressed everything. Whereas, you know, other churches I know um, are still still cautious because yeah, they have a they have an older population, an older demographic that they serve. Um, also, interesting that you phrase it this way: you had to give, you had to stop giving yourself permission to do, to not do your job. If I if I quoted that correctly, I've seen, I I saw just uh, yesterday or two days ago, a minister friend of mine who commented on Facebook, just how nice it is to be able to do all of the things that, that we hadn't really felt like we were able to do, especially in the height of the pandemic. But uh, as folks have kind of gradually come back out of it, we've begun to realize, Oh, we, we now no longer need permission to do the things that we should be doing. That's right. To kind of flip it on its head, there we've we can do these things. You know, if we need to be cautious, right? Especially if like flu flu season's coming up. Yeah, okay, right. We we get all that. Um, and some of those things are helping to knock the rust off of COVID. I heard about something cool that uh, y'all did. I don't know if it, if y'all were the heads of it or or what. But uh, tell me about Proclaim Ministry Camp and what all y'all have done with that. And it just sounds like a neat opportunity to um, want to knock off the rust of COVID, but also to maybe maybe help some folks understand their, their calling in ministry. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know much about it. Tell me about it. John, me or you? Go ahead. So Proclaim was an idea um, that was not birthed by us. John John and I were, um, we led it here, um, but it was um, something that we morphed together from our uh, individual experiences as teenagers. Um, 
John can share about uh, what he had, but I grew up and our congregation put on a, um, it wasn't ministry camp at all. It's actually a camp. We call, they called it chisel. It was a 48 hour experience. Um, and it was, we want to take our, um, our teenagers and show them how they can do ministry without being a paid minister. And so we would go and we would meet with people in various walks of life and jobs, and they would show us how they do ministry, but they're not on church staff. And so um, and so that was something that was um, really formational for me as uh, a late, that started when I was um, probably 16 or 17 years old. And so plus a couple of years in high school, and then I actually participated as a college student um, for a couple of summers in that it was open for, for, um, high schoolers and college students at our church. Um, and so that was a way to just to show people, um, Hey, you can do ministry, even if you never get a check from the church. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that was something I grew up with and and John had a, a different camp experience. I let him share about that, but we, we really wanted to blend these two together. John, tell us about what you did. I grew up at the, uh, the Pennington bend, sponsored um, future preachers training camp. And it's kind of, uh, what's the phrase, the granddaddy of them all. It mm-hmm. was it was the first preacher's camp that, that was at least mainstream. I don't know that it necessarily was actually the first, although I think it, it, it might be. Mm-hmm. But um, for decades, the Pennington Bend Church, uh, it sits right across from Opryland in Nashville, uh, in the Pennington Bend Donaldson community, um, kind of backs up on its back to the Hermitage community, (coughs) kind of a, kind of a, on the other side of the river. That's right. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the river. And so, um, one of their major missional, they wouldn't have used that term probably, but, but one of their major missional thrusts was to train young men for ministry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just recently, just a few months ago, uh, we had an, uh, an anniversary and um, celebration uh, where some of us went. And they had pictures on the wall. They've, they've stopped just recently in the last six or seven years doing the camp. But um, there were pictures on the wall from years gone by. And, and I, I was reading the names. And I grew up going to this camp and was just I was shocked at the number of names of men in our fellowship in churches of Christ that I know of, you know, uh, professors at many of our Christian universities, presidents of Christian universities, um, preachers. And, and so it's just an incredible thing. I grew up going from the time I was 13 or 14 to Pennington Bend one week during the summer. And it was, it was Sunday to Sunday. You slept at the church, they had showers at the church, not hot water, cold water only. It was actually <laughs> out, outdoor showers. They might have grabbed it from the river. <laughs> That's what they might have. Yeah, they did. And uh, in addition to the church family that I grew up in, one of the single biggest reasons that I do what I do now, just a lot of confidence that came uh, from that opportunity. And um, kind of as a response to my own experience, um, I just felt a real conviction to train young men to do it. And uh, I I have a vision to put men into ministry formally, to put men into ministry. You can serve the Lord and not do this for a living, but certainly 
uh, there are many opportunities for people, men and women, to serve in vocational ministry full time. And I want to be a part of that, um, yeah. you know, for, for many reasons, I've gotten away from that in our, in our fellowship. And I think it's one of the bright spots from our past, you know, training and educating and pushing people into ministry. That's one of the reasons um, that, that I think the churches of Christ grew the way that they did. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot so. of reasons we've gotten away from it. So that, that was why I wanted to do that. And in talking with Matt, we kind of wanted to combine uh, the, the two and it was just, it was, it was an incredible uh, three and a half to four day period with our young men. Yeah. So what'd you do with those guys? So uh, we, we, one of the the strengths of the camp that Matt grew up going to a camp, I guess not the right word, the, the opportunity that Matt had that he spoke about earlier, what were going around and seeing how other people minister who are not preachers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and even in some areas where it's either bivocational or just on the side or whatever. And so we wanted to add that element where we took some field trips, but, but I also had the heart where I want to train these guys how to look at the Bible, interpret the Bible and apply the Bible in a public mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And so we uh, <clears throat> every day met with different people who were serving the Lord in different ways um, and so we went to Nashville and, and met with a college president. We went to Healing Hands International. Uh, we, we, we had those opportunities throughout the, the time that we spent with them. We went to a funeral home. They got to talk to a funeral director, um, talk to a Christian counselor. Yeah. Wanted them to be exposed to those ways, but also spent time with hermeneutics, exegesis, mm -hmm communicating the gospel every day, split them into groups. They, they drew out a text, a biblical text. They didn't get to pick and we didn't assign it. Mm -hmm. They drew out a biblical text and they were, they were on the hook to write a sermon that yeah. they would deliver at the end of our time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we put them into groups with different staff members that we had. We walked them through uh, some interpretation and some hermeneutics and some <clears throat> strategies after we'd had big group uh, teaching on that. And then at the end of the week, Saturday night, all 18 young men preached a sermon. For many of them, it was the first time that they had ever preached a sermon. Wow. 17 of the 18 young men said, we gave them a choice and they said, we want to do this in front of the church. We want wow. to do this for the church. And yeah. so mm -hmm. we did eight or nine. I can't remember the next day. And yeah. then over a period of the following weeks, one young man would get up and preach every week in our assembly. College Child's a large church. And so um, that was the first opportunity that many of them had to share those lessons. And um, just an incredible testimony to the future, God's yeah, yeah. activity in the hearts of young men, and 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 just it was an incredible thing. Yeah, were, yeah, these, I mean, we, were these students from College Side, like all all from College? All of, yes, wow, all yeah. from College Side. Yeah. yeah, Matt, what were you going to say? I was going to say we not only did it impact our students, but if you were to ask our our church body collectively 
um, it was, it, it's something that has reverberated throughout um, the whole community, you know, of, of college side. We, I had four days ago, this past Sunday, I had a, an older gentleman come up to me um, and we, we have been done. Like the, the young men have presented their sermons. They're done doing that, you know, mm -hmm. so that, that part of is over. This camp happened in July and um, I had a, a, an older gentleman tell me on Sunday, Hey, I want you to know that um, that proclaim that y'all did is the best thing I've seen a church do in my entire life. Wow. Um, and I mean, he's still thinking about it, still talking about it. And it's, yeah. it's been months since we did it. Um, and so it's something that, it, you know, what we hope um, produces some fruit that we, that we see, and maybe we see fruit that we don't see. Right. But, um, but it's something that our church family really, really, um, clung to you know uh once that once they they saw what it was what it was doing so yeah. um best thing best thing i've been a part of um as as a vocational minister bar none yeah. um any any event or or um series or special occasion um you can throw it all up there uh, in my 11 years and proclaim was the best i've been a part of on on this side of things yeah we're um, currently we are currently in uh, we're currently in discussions with our campus uh, minister. Uh, we have a large campus ministry here at College Side because we are, as you said, across from Tennessee Tech. I mm -hmm. think the plan right now is to do basically the same thing on spring break for college students. Wow. Right. And uh, okay. the Lord has put in my heart training. And uh, I wish everybody could go to a Christian school. Everybody doesn't have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, and so if we can give them just a little bit of training, I think God can, can utilize that in churches in the future. I hope to put people into formal ministry, full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. I think we will, but God will use, <clears throat> will use it in a lot of other ways, even if that mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't happen. And, um, I just, it, it was, um, it was an eye opening incredible opportunity yeah man yeah that sounds really neat i know that there's a there's a bible professor at harding who's also a preacher at one of the one of the larger churches there in town who has uh done something essentially similar to what y'all are doing he calls it the caruso experience for those who are not familiar the word caruso is a greek word for i preach or proclaim and um, he draws uh, – they kind of draw young men from around the central Arkansas area to uh, to do essentially what y'all are doing, and then they, they get to have um, same kinds of experiences. It's not from one particular congregation, though. They draw uh, from, a, from a larger region, but mm -hmm. it is for high school students, and I remember thinking – when I first heard about it, it's like, oh, what like what I have enjoyed that. I think maybe I would have, but I, I don't know. Um, John, you mentioned something earlier that I want to go back to, if if that's okay. Because um, <clears throat> I'm just curious what you would say here. Um, you had mentioned earlier that training people for ministry um, for, you know, for whatever role in ministry it is appropriate for someone to be in, you know, if someone has those gifts – we in church leadership positions are spiritually obligated to train them to be able to appropriately apply those gifts. Yes. Um, and so I'm. you had mentioned that we don't do that 
or it seems like maybe we don't do that as much now as we as we did in the past. My question is, why do you think that is? Before you get to your answer, though, I'll kind of stall and let you uh, let you maybe formulate your answer. Three points off, which start with the same letter. I will. <laughs> I'll ask. Um, yeah. I'll mention that um, you know I. I grew up in a very warm and loving church that had a really good um, basis in um, in in teaching the Bible as kind of the full story of God's work in the world, and not as you know. Here are these things that you need to do, and that is the sum and substance of our faith. If you if you commit to these, you know, whether you want to call them you know steps or whatever, if you can just do these things, then you're good. <clears throat> And then that's that's it. I I grew up in a church that actually, you know, heard about the Holy Spirit. We heard about grace, and um, you know, and, and have a fond memory of elders and you know things like that. However, I know of two other men who are in congregational ministry, some full time congregational ministry setting. If I'm missing someone, then I apologize. But I know. Three total, myself included in that. And I have asked them, you know, do you remember a specific time where somebody at, at that church said, hey, you have a gift for this. I'm I'm urging you to go pursue this. And they couldn't remember specifics. Now, there's a range there. One of them is 40. The other one is, I think, in his mid to late 20s. And I'm... 37. So we kind of are spaced out fairly evenly there. And none of us can remember a specific time where one person or a group of people, you know, regularly encouraged us to pursue this. Now, once we had expressed interest, then they were encouraging. But the initial, the initiation, or excuse me, the initiative, I think was ours. And that just surprises me with the church as as warm and loving as I grew up. And my my folks are still there. My oldest brother is a deacon there. Um, but you, John, you had mentioned that we don't do that as much. Let me ask, why do you think we don't do that as much? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's what I'm here for, to ask. <laughs> <laughs> great questions. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, anecdotally, uh, certainly I don't have a lot of expertise in maybe a, a higher sociological question um, why the philosophy of churches have changed. I could take a stab at it and I would say, sure. I think that we've lost a little bit of confidence. Um, I think that there was a lot of fervor in our fellowship in the past that doesn't exist now to the level that it did. Mm -hmm. And consequently, I think there's something about that that has bred maybe some apathy into putting people into a ministry within a church and specifically within churches of Christ. And I'm of the opinion that um, Church of Christ is not perfect. We have a Hot lot. takes coming in fast <laughs> here. Christ not perfect. We have made a lot of mistakes and, and even still continue to make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. But I believe the church of Christ has something to offer the world 
that is beautiful and right and lovely and of God. And so if for no other reason, I believe that there is some opportunity there to, to put people in the ministry within our fellowship. Um, the other thing that, that I would say, and this is uh, certainly, um, I think, by and large true of anything, you got to be really intentional to train people in that way. Yeah. It's not just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes somebody with the mind to say, I want to train people. How am I going to do that? And, and, you know, what we did, just one way to do it. It's not a perfect way. It, right. It's just one of many, you know, I'll say of my own experience, I think God um, nudges people, leads people, calls people. Um, I think the spirit convicts us. And, and I think by and large, if, if there is somebody at college side who felt called, equipped uh, to ministry, I think God could get that done without our help. Sure. And I think that a Christian university would be a great way if that person went to a Christian university, certainly there are going to be professors and theologians that, you know, nourish their soul and push yeah. them into ministry. But I think the church has a unique place in the training of leadership that Christian institutions cannot imitate. Mm-hmm. They cannot replicate. Um, Nor Christian is it their prerogative, right? It's not their prerogative right. to replace that's the local exactly congregation. Right. Church leadership, ministry, teaching, whatever it is, is for the body. It's mm-hmm. not isolated. It's not for the academy primarily. Yeah. It's for the body. And so what better place to learn how to translate ministry than in a church body? Yeah. And so I think church bodies have by and large allowed Christian institutions to do all of the training when there needs to be a partnership there are things that you know institutions can do that churches are not equipped to do Mm -hmm. but there's got to be a partnership and it seems as though and it's just anecdotal my own experience it seems as though there's a little distrust between churches and institutions that kind of cuts both ways at different points in time to the detriment of us both yeah I, i i i can see that and um, thankfully, I know of exceptions to that, but I, I yeah, sure. I, I see that. See that. Matt, what do you think, man? Um, I, you know, just listening to John, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with them. I agree with them on, on what he's talking about. I think also we have, uh, we've lost an ability to expect things out of people. Right. Um I don't, and, and so when I, you know, growing up, um, there was in, in some churches, there's an expectation, right, that mm-hmm. you have a gift and you're going to serve and you're going to use it. And it seems like we're afraid to ask anybody to do anything, you know, um, and we're afraid that to call anybody to anything. And um, and and that hurts the body, but it also hurts because the that's not my right? job. Right. Right. And Sorry so. To yeah, no, and and so to I, I think there's there's something to um, 
putting some expectation on our our young people and saying, "Hey, you you have a gift. Um, you you need to use it and you need to serve." Um, one of the things that we told our uh, our proclaim uh, students over the three or four days we were together um, was, "Every one of you loves to teach. You just don't know it yet." And um, and 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 we kind of we wanted them to view what they were doing through that lens of um, you know, every one of you loves scripture and you may not know it yet. Right. And, um, and once they, once they found that out, they did, we had a student at the very last night who stood up in front of everybody that was there. And he said, I love to teach the Bible and I didn't know it, you know? Praise God. Um, yeah. and so, um, but if we don't, if we don't expect anything out of people, they're not going to know it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of the things I think that we um, are striving and seeking to do here is to place some expectation, not pressure, um, but some expectation on on our people that, listen, every one of you has got a gift. Every one of you can use it. Every one of you can serve. And the Lord expects you to. That's why he gave it to you, you yeah. know, um, and we can't be afraid of that. I had the opportunity to uh, speak at Harding's lectureship this year at the end of September and um, <clears throat> the topic that uh, that was assigned to me was out of first Corinthians chapter three and the my title was becoming a, a spiritual people discipleship for unity and um, you know I kind of walked through the context of where Paul's coming from and in the midst of talking about you know the establishment of the church at Corinth and what kind of town it was and how that might have, um, you know, how the cultural values of a, of a Roman colony of Corinth might have infiltrated uh, some of how the Christian converts there were interacting with each other, largely negatively. Uh, it, in the midst of that, I was interspersing you know, anecdotes from a friend of mine here at church who has no formal training in Bible, um, you know, recovering uh, drug and alcohol and gambling addict. Uh, tattoos everywhere um, and is just absolutely on fire for the Lord and is um, is helping us bring in people who are in need of recovery and is um, and I, I think he and I are like three or weeks apart difference in age and is uh, it, it's, it's just a delight to uh, to talk to uh, him and I kind of balanced off his gifts and my gifts and, and all that and got down to the, um, you know, to the, to the real meat of the issue, which was, you know, if I'm in a position in a church where it's, it's my duty or my prerogative to find places to, you know, put people in so they can exercise their gifts then I'm I'm spiritually obligated. I have a sacred duty to do that. And different churches are going to you know look different and and who gets to put who gets to go where. But with whatever is appropriate at my church, I need to find people to to use their gifts in those ways. And that has that has been a fun challenge here. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like proclaim is a way where. 
Yeah, maybe maybe college side as an individual congregation or wherever these guys fan out uh, over the years as they move, maybe they will uh, they'll have kind of a taste of that and and get to get to experience some of that as well. Let me ask this question, um, I, one that I didn't plan to ask y'all, but I told I gave you fair warning ahead of time that um, I'm going to burn on you relentlessly and mm-hmm. ask tons of gotcha mm-hmm. questions and yes, <laughs> and just yes, and really trying to try to um, try to mess with y'all as much as I can. Um, what is what are the things that you look for? When you are look, when you see somebody that you think might have potential for ministry or or might be called for ministry, what are some things that you find that are consistent in in folks like that? And you kind of look for those and think, okay, you know that 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 seems like maybe this person ha- needs to look at going into ministry. I'm, I'm curious. That's a great question. You, you're asked such great questions, Kevin. You know, mm, I've been podcasting so now for a year and a half, and uh, you're a doctor, I, man. I started off on a good foot back in March of 2021 with John Nichols. It's my first podcast right. guest, and I'm I'm here again. So yeah. glad. I think it's because you're. I think it's because you're a doctor. Um, that is. I did have to actually learn how to ask good questions, but that came through just relentlessly tearing apart all the bad. Bible class lessons I taught. No man, <laughs> those poor Same. people at White Station Church of Christ in Memphis and Nicholasville Church of Christ in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Those poor people suffered through so many bad Bible classes oh, to where now yeah. I actually ask decent questions here in Texas. I think mm. about the times that I preached in the past and am appalled. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and and trust uh, me, my brother has tough. told me about every single one of those. No, I'm sure he has. <laughs> I'm sure he has, and uh, I have no doubt about that. It, it, it's it's a great question. Um, I really don't know how to answer it, and, and here's why: because I think we all take different paths. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I would never write off. And I know, I mean, you wouldn't. None of us would. Mm-hmm. I would never write off um, even formal ministry, uh, vocational ministry, from somebody who didn't do what we asked them to do. Mm-hmm. God can do that. You know, other people can do that. I think though, to answer your question, the thing that I would look for, and maybe the only thing that I would look for in terms of, okay, let's continue to, um, let's continue to, to work with this person is somebody who says yes. Hmm. Um, just, just somebody who says, yes, it's not about character. It's not about, I mean, it's not about character for us because without Christ, we're nothing. Uh, certainly, uh, as a teenager, it's not about character. It's not about perfection. It's not about public speaking. It's not about all of that. Uh, it's about the ability or the, the, the willingness to say yes. Yeah. And so if we say, hey, will you read? Hey, will you serve? Hey, will you be an usher? Hey, will you come to proclaim? Hey, will you mm-hmm. go with us, you know, wherever we're going? If they say yes, then we're going to keep pouring into them. If they mm-hmm. say no, I'm certainly not going <coughs> to write them off. Right. Um, yeah. and, 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 and we're going to keep asking. But the kids who say yes, those are the kids that we're going to keep looking at and saying, okay, there may be something there um, for, you know, full-time ministry. Yeah. Makes sense. 
Man. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking the same thing um, that John said I, in, in my head before before John answered. Um, what I was thinking about was once somebody's presenting with the opportunity, um, the kids that show legitimate interest, you know, um, are you know you, you can you can keep working with clearly, and and you know we don't want to there there are plenty of people who are in ministry um, who didn't say yes the first time, right? Um, and so, um, so I, I think, I think that, you know, and then I think there's, there's kind of a, um, you know, even for the ones that might say no, um, but especially the ones that say yes, there's kind of a, you know, it when you see it part of it too, you know, um, that you can't quantify about it. Um, I remember specifically, um, in, um, it, there was a group setting we were in when I was in high school and we had to go around and, and tell what we were good at. And I didn't have an answer. I had no answer. Um, and so it got to me and I was like, what are you good at? And um, I was, I, I, I was there just being, uh, just existing, you know, and my preacher gave the answer for me um, because he saw it in me and I didn't see it myself. I wasn't ready to say yes. Yeah. you know um and he answered the question for me and uh, i'll never forget it you know and to this day um i if somebody asked me that question that's one of the things i would say because i was told that i was good at that and i leaned into it you know um and so i th- i think that you know part of it is you kind of got to know it when you see it and you kind of got to tell people when they don't see it <laughs> you yeah. know um and so I, I don't know that there's a great quantifiable answer there. Um, maybe just a big conglomeration of things. You know. Can I add one thing, Kevin? Of um, course. Uh, you know, I, I, I would, I would say just for the purpose of anybody listening or, you know, just to get this out there. Uh, when we say teaching, we certainly mean the public proclamation of the word preaching. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, I hope, I hope, I, I hope, I, I told Matt, my vision, my hope, for proclaim is that one of these young men or a group of these young men are the ones who speak at my funeral someday. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's my hope. That's, that's what I, yeah. But the truth is, you know, lest somebody say, Oh, you're forcing all these guys to preach and who are you only God, you know, does that. That's true. It's true. But there are a lot of needs when it comes to teaching. We need we need people to teach Bible class. Yeah. We need dads mm-hmm. who are willing to do devotionals for Sunday nights when youth group comes over. You know, we need we need people, women, men, all we need people who can share in a public way. One of the speakers uh, that we took the boys to um, at Proclaim made a really good point that I hadn't thought, and he told them regardless of what you do, if you have the ability to stand up in front of a group and say something, you're going to be blessed because of that. If you have the ability to do public speaking, if you have the the willingness to just stand up and talk, you know, I don't know. It it seems as though there may be less of a desire to do that now than there used to be. And, and, And I know it was always the number one fear that people had, you know, or, or whatever, but people who are willing in their, in their workplaces in corporate America to stand up and talk with some confidence and with some ability, they're going to benefit from that. 
Mm-hmm. And so we want to redeem that mm-hmm. and, and plant that in the church. And so, you know, teaching is not just preaching for us. It is that, but it's more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, like we, like we've been saying uh, in different ways here for the last several minutes, um, it's incumbent upon us to find ways to help our young people use their God-given gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, as we wrap up this uh, morning, some final takeaways, anything that um, that you might have thought, hey, I need to mention that, and then didn't get to um, close us out here. I would just say keep keep going, you know, wherever, wherever you are. Um, proclaim for us has been a, a major milestone. And we will continue to adapt and and um, and change. We're going to do the same thing. We hope with young women in our church um, at some point in the future. You know, we we've got to figure out exactly what that looks like and navigate all of that. But mm. um, we want our young women to know that that they're valued and that there are so many ways to serve. Um, and so, uh, say yes. Um, I think that's what I would end on. I think we have had to say yes. Um, initially, we talked about proclaim and we talked about doing it next year <clears throat> or after when we were quote, quote ready. And um, we just, we just, you know, kind of threw it against the wall this summer and God blessed it. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we felt, I felt called. I felt like God wanted that to happen. And so, um, say yes he'll he'll meet you there and and appreciate the opportunity to talk about our young man yeah definitely yeah if there's um there's one thing to to leave with um it's that our our young people um will rise to the level of their expectations and they they do and Mm -hmm. it's okay to put something in front of them and say go get it because they can and um you know, uh, our young people are at college side. Um, they're special, but they're not any different than anybody else. And so um, if, if we if we expect um, our young people to uh, to use their gifts and to know what their gifts are, um, or if we want that from them, then we need to communicate that to them, you know. Um, and so my encouragement um, would be to 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 put that um, on, on your people because they can, they can rise to meet it and they will, and they love it. Yeah. Um, e- even if they don't know it yet, they love it. Um, yeah. And so it, yeah, thank you for, for letting us talk about it. It was a, a great thing for us and something we're looking forward to doing um, in the future as well. Definitely. I've seen it true in, in my life, especially in my ministry that a lot of times God, if you are saying yes to God, he will push you into something that you do not feel ready for. Mm. Probably because when you feel ready for it, the moment is gone. The time has passed. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of times he's just, nope. All right, here you go. You got to do it. If, if you're saying yes, now's the time. Jump in there. What did the prophet yeah. say? He shares his glory with no other. Indeed. And so when we're ready, he receives less glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say yes. Yeah. Guys, I really appreciate the time this morning. Hope you'll have a good rest of the day, okay? Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Do well.